Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sapphire Stories. Today, we are joined by two Brian's, Brian Lee and Brian Liu. Brian Lee, please introduce yourself first and tell us, you know, who you are. Sure. So I'm Brian Lee, uh, otherwise known as Big Brian. <laughs> and that's little Brian down there. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm Brian Lee. Um, I am co-founder of LegalZoom.com and also co-founder of SheDazzle and The Honest Company. Uh, entrepreneur and very, very happy to be here with you, Thomas, and, and with Anish. Thank you. Great. I'm Brian Lee. I'm, I'm also known as Bigger B. <laughs> also one of the co-founders with the other Brian of LegalZoom.com. Uh, currently, I'm also a co-founder of Biz Council and uh, an active real estate investor. Anish, you can say hello too, to those who may not know you. Sure. Um, I'm Anish uh, Dewal from Chicago, Illinois, uh, current co-founder of Sapphire Studios. And um, uh, fun fact for me is uh, I love space and I used to um, work at NASA. Amazing. So like I said, you know, any questions that you want to ask, feel free to ask. I'll just start with the first one. Um, I guess to the Bryans, uh, how did you guys meet? What's the origin? <laughs> yeah, it was so long ago. Um, how long ago was that? Like 20, 25 it was years ago? Day of law school. Yeah. So our, we met our very first day at law school. I was waiting in line at Taco Bell at UCLA and he was standing right in back of me waiting in line at Taco Bell and he saw me carrying my law books. He says, Hey, are you in law school? I said, yes. He's like, what year? I said, first year. He's like, I am too. It's my first day. And that's, that's where we met and we became best friends after that. And, um, yeah, we're, 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 we're lifelong best friends. I was his best man in his wedding. He was my best man. And then we go way back. Anything I missed there, Bri? Yeah, that was the first and last time I saw you carrying so many law books. So <laughs> I was a horrible law student. <laughs> no, literally, we just seen a stack of books or at least six books. I mean, you know, big, thick books. And he had them all under one arm. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> That, that was my workout, carrying around law books. <laughs> <laughs> my next question is, what made you guys want to build something together? And what did the early days look like? Well, I'll tell you, the, the thing about meeting Brian on that day, which was that we kind of looked at each other and said, you're going to law school? It's like, yeah, you are too. It's like, why? Because we kind of knew that we didn't fit the prototype of, you know, future lawyers or future partners at law firms. I think that's one of the reasons we clicked. And, you know, that's I think that's the reason that after even graduating from school and then working at law firms, we 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 kind of knew in the back of our hearts that that we were, you know, we were entrepreneurs at heart. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, I think we both knew that we weren't really, you know, in law school necessarily become lawyers, like lifelong lawyers. I think both of us were much more interested in business and entrepreneurship. And even when we were in law school, I mean, most of our discussions were always around business, the internet, 
what was happening uh, with this new technology. I mean, we would go into the library and, and, and cruise online because that's the only place that you could get online was in the library. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we always kind of had that 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 uh, that kindred spirit, if you will, like uh, of, of wanting to start something. And we would meet, you know, almost every day in downtown LA uh, to have lunch. He was at Sullivan Cromwell and I was at Skadden Arps, two law firms. And both of us were like, there's got to be something better than this, <laughs> better than working for a law firm. And there were great firms that people were really nice. We enjoyed working there, but we just kind of felt like, you know, we wanted to do something else, um, something a little bit more impactful, at least for ourselves. And so we, we thought of a bunch of different ideas. Um, one of the first ideas we had was, uh, uh, we called it Law Garden. Loggarden.com. And you can share the idea that it never went anywhere. <laughs> that was our first idea. We never even launched it. Beautiful website, though. You know, yeah, Amazon was popular at the time, and we just thought, you know, Loggarden, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea was that we would connect people to lawyers, stay at home lawyers, for like, you know, $2 a minute or something along those lines. Yeah. We would just answer questions via text. Uh, for two dollars a minute but it never really took off and we never there was a lot of problems with it number one you're a practicing law so you would have to get licensed in all 50 states and you'd have to get you know legal insurance malpractice insurance in all 50 states and so forth i mean there was a lot of, then you couldn't raise money from outside you know sources only from other lawyers there there are a bunch of issues with law garden and so we scrapped the whole idea before it even launched yeah, people people were willing to pay five dollars a minute to talk to you know astrologer, but they weren't willing to pay two dollars per minute to talk to a real lawyer. And even worse, I mean, we thought we were pretty decent lawyers at that time, but you know, nobody knew Brian Lee or Brian Liu. They were, they were I don't think they would pay fifty cents a minute to talk to us. <laughs> and then, what was the next business? Legal Zoom from Law Garden. Yeah, it was right. Pretty much. I mean, one of the things was a realization of anything was that you needed, you know, you needed to create a level of trust and they people wouldn't hire us. People, we, we the insiders, if you worked at a big law street, Wall Street law firm or if you were, you know, uh, an investment banker, you knew these law firms, you knew Skadden and, you know, Sullivan and Cromwell, but most people didn't. And so we knew that we had to, you know, whatever our next venture was, we needed to recruit and get somebody who had name recognition. And we had a list of all these different lawyers who were famous at the time. And Robert Shapiro was at the top of the list. And he was famous at that time for just, it was only a few years after the OJ trial. I think it was only like five years after the OJ trial. Yeah, so that was still fresh on everybody's mind. He was probably, you know, the most famous lawyer in the world at that time. And, you know, we were very lucky. Brian Lee had it, you know, Brian Lee was the one who reached out to him and, and got him to join the company. How'd you guys convince him? You know, it was really interesting because um, it was me and Brian were the, the, the co-founders of the company at that time with Eddie Hartman, who was another co-founder. We love Eddie Hartman. Um, he was more of our, our chief technology officer. There were very, very few engineers in Los Angeles, software engineers that knew how to build a, a website. And he was one of the very few. 
in, in those years. And, and so we kind of lucked out and got him to join us. And then we got Robert Shapiro to be our fourth co-founder. Um, and I'll tell you, the four of us are still best friends. We're, we're all super tight. Um, and it really is, it, it's, you know, it, it's rare to have four co-founders and all four co-founders who, who respect each other and will do anything for each other. Um, and so we kind of lucked out in that sense that we all really got along and, and to this day we still do. And um, I, with Robert Shapiro, it was a cold call. We just called him uh, one night and, and he picked up the phone and I kind of pitched him the idea. And then we got a face-to-face -face meeting with him in a couple of weeks, uh, a couple weeks after that. And you know, basically he said, yes, he, he wanted to be part of this. And, and so that brought us the face of LegalZoom, if you will. Um, and a very well-known partner. And it was the early days of influencer marketing, if you think about it, because we actually didn't bring Robert Shapiro in as a partner um, because of, you know, influence. We brought him in because we needed to build trust, right? And the internet at that time was still very, very new. And so we brought him in thinking, okay, he'll bring credibility to what we're doing. See, recognizing the attorney's face on the website, it'll lead to more people trusting us because it was so new. I mean, you have to understand back in 2000, people were scared to put in their credit card information online, let alone all the information we're asking them for a living trust or corner corporation. And so that's the main reason we brought them in. But then the secondary effect was every time he would go on to CNN or you know, anywhere, he would say LegalZoom and we would get orders. And we're like, well, this is, this is fantastic. Like Bob, go on to TV more, and, and, and get us more orders. And so it, it worked out great. And that was like super early influencer marketing. That's awesome. Do you guys still remember your first customer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can we oh, even yeah. say his name on this? I don't know. He doesn't know he's our first customer. Yeah. We'll say his name was SD. It stands for his full name, but he, he was our first customer from, uh, I think, from Florida. Right, Brian? Was he from Florida? I, I don't remember what state. Yeah, I so remember yeah, we were on a trip trying to fundraise at that time in the Bay Area, and we stepped into the uh, library at UC Berkeley because, it, you know, again, you couldn't just get the Internet. You couldn't access the iPhone. What wouldn't be invented for another seven years? You know, and so you had to go find a place with wired Internet access. And we went to the UC Berkeley library. We accessed our tools and we're like up to that point, only friends and family. And, uh, you know, we had placed test orders. And so we knew everybody and we saw this name and me, Brian and Eddie, we looked at each other. It's like, do you recognize this? Is this person is he one of your relatives, uh, one of your friends? And we couldn't figure it out. And we realized, oh my God, this is like, a real, real, <laughs> somebody we didn't recognize, our first real customer. And I mean, we did as many backflips as we could at that time. We, I think we probably did some donuts in an empty parking lot in, in Silicon Valley. <laughs> uh, to this day, Brian, I'm not sure how you feel about it, man, but that, that was the best 55 bucks I think I've ever made. Yeah. Right? Like, I still remember the feeling like, oh my goodness. We have a real customer. Someone actually paid us for a legal document. And I remember we called the guy. I remember we called him just to confirm that it was a real order. Like, my name is Brian Lee from LegalZoom, and I'm confirming your order. 
And he was like, yes, when is that going to be ready? And then he, and I remember he said, I wasn't sure whether or not this was real. So <laughs> 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 we sent him this thing and we made 55 bucks. And I was like, oh my gosh, that, that was that was an amazing $55 because it helped pay for some pizzas that day too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be so hard for you know listeners to realize, but at that time, imagine this was 22 years ago. You know, the internet was so new and all this stuff was so new that we we were surprised that somebody would actually go and place an order for legal documents online. Yeah. And it, it's just, it was, the, there was, there was no such thing as a, you know, Los Angeles internet community. There were no startup incubators at that time or, or accelerators. I think there was one small one in Pasadena, but <clears throat> you know, they certainly didn't have, there was no we, WeWorks. Uh, y Combinator wouldn't be for another 10 years after that. And so this was a really weird time when we were just winging it. We were truly winging it. Eddie Hartman knew how to design websites. And that was great because his firm and, and other firms like that, they were charging $100,000 for just a website. That's how, that was a going rate at the time. I remember when we bought, when we bought our first web server. It was a Dell Blade web server. We paid like $200,000, I think, for this oh. very simple web, web server. And we were serving it out of our office. Yep. Um, and I remember we were so freaked out because it was so expensive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, everything, they everything. didn't have Amazon Web Services. Exactly. We hosted the site out of our own office. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it's, it's so amazing how much they progressed. And we thought, oh, my God, we, we was making huge strides when we moved from the uh, server from our office into a co-location facility in a bank vault, uh, you know, in downtown L.A., a former bank fault. They just had, you know, rows and rows, hundreds of servers, maybe thousands from all these different people that were serving websites. And if your website, I still remember one day that Robert Shapiro went on CNN and he made an offer that was during a particularly interesting time when, when he, he offered anybody who came in to have this one legal document for the weekend, it would be free. <clears throat> it literally burned our server down. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that it was a free living will for this weekend only. And we got a total flood of customers and I, I can't remember even how we handled those. But we, got them out. we got them out the door because um, most of it's automated, but it's uh, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty, pretty hectic weekend. I remember. What makes your partnership great? And the reason why I ask, you know, kind of like, how you guys met me and each met through an unorthodox way too. We met at like a free networking event over pizza and we never thought like it would lead into a business. It started off as a friendship first. People always say, you know, you never mix friendship with business, but you guys said in the beginning, you guys are best friends. What made, you know, what you guys started so successful. And the final question to that is what advice do you have for us as we evolve and hopefully, you know, become what you guys have done today presently. You want to answer that, Brian? Okay, I'll take a shot at it. I'll tell you what I think. Brian probably thinks something different. <clears throat> I, overall, I think we share the same 
outlook on life and the same philosophy of how we want to run a business, you know, the same goals and the same methodologies, but we have different strengths. And, and I, so it's, it's both complementary and at the same time, there's a good fit because I think our overall goals are the same. And we understood that, but let me tell you one thing though, it wasn't all, you know, fun and roses. <laughs> there were more than a couple of times during that time where it really did test our friendship. I mean, oh boy, I, we didn't talk to each other for, I still remember this. There was time, one time we got him into a fight and um, it, it actually took a Super Bowl and took some people to invite us to the same Super Bowl party to patch things up. I remember <laughs> I totally remember that. I think I fired Brian Liu a couple of times and he fired me a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> and then we realized we didn't have the power to fire each other. <laughs> So we're stuck. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. And then, um, <laughs> but he, uh, here's the thing. He mentioned Brian. Brian mentioned that um, you know we complement each other. I, I, I truly believe that that you know the yin yang kind of combination, um, push pull, if you will. So I, I, I'm I'm a little bit more on the idea side, the uh, the growth side, you know, almost growth at all cost side, right? It was like I, I go go go. Right, I'll, I'll stick a bunch of ideas on the wall and whatever sticks I go for, right? Brian Liu, on the other hand, is much more methodical. He's very analytical, he's very detailed, operation-focused, and together, it made a great combination. We made a great combination uh, together because it was this push and pull. People joke that if I was the only one who started LegalZoom at that time, we would have gone broke within a month. But if Brian Liu was the only one who started it, it would have never started. <laughs> <laughs> you still be in ideation mode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. And you guys can ask questions too. So feel free to like, if you want to talk about a certain topic, uh, feel free to. Yes. Go ahead. I was wondering, so, so Brian, what were the, from, from the legal zoom lessons, wh what did you take away from you at, uh, going into honest company and shoe dazzle, you know, what were the best things that you learned and what did you realize? What were the challenges that you didn't expect facing? You know, honestly, it's like, um, moving from legal zoom to shoe dazzle, I really learned the importance of margin, <laughs> like more so than ever, like moving into, an actual physical product as opposed to legal zoom i mean we had no inventory right it was really a computerized system and the only inventory we the only cost of goods we had really had was um the cost of the paper that the product was printed on and and mail postage that was it um but with legal with shoe dazzle you know actually doing an inventory business especially fashion that churned so quickly i mean that was a huge awakening for me uh, trying to understand, like, you know, how to deal with, you know, cost overruns and, and production overruns or, you know, like, you know, too much inventory of this one shoe or whatever it is, um, and how seasons change and, and fashion as well. So it was just a big awakening for me and a big learning curve. Uh, and the Honest Company it was just a, a much better learning curve with the Honest Company going into offline uh, retail. Uh, so sewing into Costco and Target and so forth, that was also a big 
learning curve for me as well. Um, and so, but the basics, look, the basics of business is all the same. It really is. It, 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 there's no real difference between, you know, a big corporate 500 company and a pizza shop. I really believe that. It's that the fundamentals are the same. You and, and Brian Liu taught me this. Brian, you really did. I'm not sure if I ever told you this, Brian, but it, it really stuck with me. Business is simple. If you do one thing, right? You deliver what you promise. If you deliver what you promise, you will win. And if you do it consistently over time, you build a brand. Right. And, and so I, I always took that to heart because no matter what business you're in, that's the truth. Right. If you go to a pizza shop and they sell you a cold, soggy pizza, guess what? You ain't going back. You know what I'm saying? It's like they did not deliver what they promised. Okay. And, and it's the same thing with legal team. I remember, like, you know, in the early days, we would tell people you would get your will or whatever it is within two days. I mean, we did everything we can to get it out within two days, like, no matter what, because that was our promise. Right. And so the, the same thing holds true with with any business you start and, and, and with you, Thomas and Anish, you know, when you guys do, you know, your marketing platforms and, and, and your, your, your uh, consulting and, and, and so forth for TikTok and other channels, if you have a customer that comes to you and you don't deliver what you promised, guess what? You're not really going to have a customer for very long. Right. So anyway, Brian, you can please add to that. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking all the air. No, no, it's okay. I, 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 I'm so curious because I've never asked you these things directly too. <laughs> so, so now maybe, you know, we know now that you also run one of the most incredibly uh, uh, successful early stage venture capital funds in Los Angeles. And you're now on fund three, going on fund four. And you've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of new entrepreneurs and some of them have been very successful. And so, you know, you probably develop some sort of formula or at least have some better sense than other people of what makes, you know, an entrepreneur successful. And I'm, I'm just curious, what do you look for? We invest super early um, into the earliest stages of companies, oftentimes entrepreneur with an idea. So there's not a lot of data for us to go off of. Um, and so really the only data we have is data around the founder and the co-founder and the team, the early team. And, and so for us, it's, it's, we vet the team pretty heavily and, and we, we kind of go through almost like the whole life exercise with, with founders that we invest in. Sure. We have one very simple rule and that's where we have to love the founder and the founding team, not hate the idea. Because I think too many investors fall in love with ideas and, and Brian and I can tell you, ideas don't mean crap. They really don't. It's like, because if it's a good idea, you're going to have 100 competitors anyway, right? And, and, and the other thing is like, that if you have a great idea with, with you know, B-level, C-level talent, it's not going to go anywhere anyway either, right? For, for, for what you look for at that stage is, you know, the strongest team that you can find with an idea that you don't hate, right? So... So that's kind of like what we do, and, and we've been pretty successful at it. But thanks for saying that, Bri. <laughs> we're, we're so successful. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to think Bam Ventures is, is doing pretty well. Yeah. And if, Brian, this is where I know we had this problem too. I mean, maybe this is not so much of a problem, but before people were like, okay, how do you judge people on a great team if they don't necessarily have the track record? How do I judge people? Yeah. 
I honestly, I run them through just a series of questions. That's all. It's like, that's the only truth. It's like, I just, I ask them about everything and I just get to know who they are, know what makes them tick, what make, what keeps them motivated, what, what drives them, right? Because what I'm looking for are people who don't quit, no matter what, like people who don't quit, like almost like this has to work or their life is over. I love entrepreneurs like that. I love entrepreneurs like that. They have no choice but to make something work. Right? And that was me and you, Brian. And I'm, yeah. not sure, I'm pretty sure that's Thomas and Anish. You know, you have to make this work. If I if, look, if LegalZoom didn't work, Brian, okay, we'd be stuck at some law firm doing personal injury law <laughs> or, or corporate law or, you know, something like that. Honestly, it's like, dude, it's like, that's just, it's great for some people. Some people are made out for that. And some people are really, really talented. And that's what they live for, but not me. It's like, I don't think that's you either, Brian, right? I'm sure that's not you. So, yeah, we had to make LegalZoom work. I remember there was a time when, when it, shoot, it was like uh, 9-11. We had just been in it about a year and a half, and we thought the whole world was about to, you know, just fall apart. And I still remember that. We went back. We went back outside the office, and we're like, you know, no matter what happens, we're going to do everything we possibly can to keep this going and to make this work because we're not turning back. Not turning back. There was no turning back at that point, and we had to make it work. Yep. That's awesome because, like, because LegalZoom was made pre dot com bust, right? No, our very no. first, our very first venture capital meeting was literally on the day the Nasdaq crashed. Oh my god! Yeah. And then what happened? Oh my God. It was Brian Liu's uncle of all people. Yeah. Yeah. He was a venture capitalist. He invested in eToys and a bunch of others. And I remember we sat down with him and his first question is, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and we said, we're here to pitch you our dot-com idea. And he looks at us like you we were crazy. And he's like, you guys don't understand. It's over. And we're like, what's over? He's like, the internet. It's done. It's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> He told us to go get our jobs back. You remember that, Yeah. Yes, that's to beg for our jobs back. We're never going to raise any money. Yeah. Uh, And he was right about not raising a lot of money, by the way. He was absolutely right. Yeah. You know, people I knew were getting $5 million here for a business idea. You know, there's another $5 million from SoftBank. Oh, my God. Uh, You know, so... We thought it was going to be easy. And I still remember talking to some, you know, advertising people at that time. And with a straight face, they looked at us and said, you know what you got to do with your money? First thing you do, full page ad in the Wall Street Journal. How long did you guys have to bootstrap it for? Bootstrapped it forever. You guys never raised? No, we raised outside capital, but never for the company. It was always for investors and, and, and you know, internal rounds, like uh, secondary, until, until much later, right? until yep. like even after I was gone, like 12, 13 years later. So do you think like not getting that initial funding was a blessing in disguise? It probably was. What do you think, Brock? Absolutely. Because again, remember, this was our first business. We weren't pros at this. And if we had raised that $5 million, I mean, there was a, I, don't, I wouldn't say there was a hundred percent chance or even if maybe there was a 30% chance that we would have said, yeah, let's try. I mean, this guy seemed to be smart. Let's try this full page out of the wall street journal and see what happens. We would have blown 250 grand and um, you know, 
it would have been a complete waste of money. Instead, what we had to do was we had to go and try other ways of getting business, which is why we went and tried this relatively new platform called at that time, GoTo. It became Overture and it was the first pay-per-click search engine of its kind, which you know, Google wasn't even around at that time. And so that's how we built our business off this new internet you know, advertising platform. And we had to adapt to new things that were happening that nobody else was using because honestly, it was cheap. <laughs> that's why we did it. And, and luckily it worked. Yeah. And then when everyone was saying like the internet's done, uh, like th did that affect you guys or you guys just believed in it so much where in 2000, you just went forward with it? Well, we almost, I, I <laughs> Brian Lee tells this story better than anybody, but he'll tell you that at that time, actually that, you know, <laughs> I don't know how long it was until I actually did quit my job. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> how quickly you forget <laughs> oh my so, so brian and i come up with this idea right we're like okay we're gonna go start this thing we don't care if we could raise money we're just gonna go for it and we had a little bit of money saved up like you know from working and not not much we borrowed a little bit of money from my parents and his parents so you know jump starters for a little bit i think we raised like fifty thousand dollars in total um and so basically um i quit my job i was like super excited to get working and get started so i started working out of my condo and i'm working there every, i started working every day every morning i'm building law libraries for the website and this and that and eddie hartman's kind of helping out with some of the coding but brian rue's still working at his job <laughs> <laughs> and every week i would call him i'm like brian did you give notice yet he's like no no no, not yet i'm just going to save up a little bit more okay right so another week passes did you quit yet no he hasn't right and so seriously like two months later because i i have quit in two months i'm working by myself in the condo and i'm like oh no like is he really gonna like leave me hanging like this so anyway i showed up to his office in downtown LA, I'm not sure if you remember the story, Brian. Showed up to his office in downtown LA. It was a big, there's a corporate, you know, atmosphere environment. And I yelled down the hallway, Brian Lou, Brian Lou, did you did you give notice that you're quitting yet? <laughs> his head poked out like a gopher out of his little office. And he's like, what are you doing? Get in here, get in here. And he, down. he was so mad at me. You were so mad, Brian. Now you're like, okay, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give notice. I'm gonna give notice. And then about, I don't know, five or six days after that, you finally gave notice. I remember, oh my goodness. That was like nerve wracking times for me. I was like, oh no, I'm gonna do this alone. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, I mean, we can tell funny stories about each other forever. Oh my God. We had so many, so many of <laughs> them. There was a time, I'll remember this one. There was a time when Brian Lee went on a sabbatical. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You traveled the world, I remember. Yeah, I traveled around the world. I had a great time. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I think everyone, including you, Thomas and Anish, at some point, you know, when you're like, you know, 10 years into it or whatever, you just need to take a break. Honestly, you got to yeah. like clear your head, clear your mind, go climb Mount Kilimanjaro, do whatever you can to like go experience the world and, you know, refresh yourself and come back. Um, I'm a big believer in that. I think, I think every company should have a sabbatical rule, truthfully. What about you? What about you guys? Anish, Thomas, have you guys taken any sabbaticals? Well, how long is that? Is yeah, that how like long is a sabbatical? Well, it depends. It depends on how rich you are. <laughs> <laughs> how long is your sabbatical? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It really it, it depends on 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 you know how long you can take. I mean, I, I'm a big believer that a good three months to six months, even in that time frame, it's like a, a, a real sabbatical, a real break. Yeah. I think in the early days, um, when me and Anish were starting the company, I went to like Europe by myself, like on a backpack with no money. Like I was staying in the hostels and just twenty dollar nights. I just remember it being one of the better times of my life. And I think Anish, you went to Brazil for the yeah. Yeah. I did. I would. I yeah. I did a month, and I went from essentially the top of South America all the way to the bottom of it. So that's fun. Yeah, it was fun. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, those are always nice to um, clear your head. So yeah. it's three month one one we can, Thomas. A few years out. Yeah, I guess before we close off our podcast. Um, what advice do you have for people today who are starting out? Because you guys are so scrappy. I didn't realize like you guys are actually yin and yang. I could see the dynamic as you two talk. Like it took Brian to go to the, to your work, Brian, to say like, Hey, you need to quit. Imagine if he never did that. Like, do you think you would have not left if Brian didn't have the, the guts? Because that takes guts to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely needed a little nudging over there. So I don't know what would have happened. I, I would have gotten around to it. I, I tend to be late to a lot of things. So, <laughs> so I would have been late to the party, but I would have got to the party. <laughs> no, I believe that. I believe that. I, I think, but I, I think if I didn't nudge you though, Brian, I think it would have been like months. Seriously, it would have been months, not weeks. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, look, and we acknowledge, it was a it was a pretty scary time at that time. It was totally scary. Yeah. The world was imploding. I mean, we were heading into recession. We were already in recession. It was bad. I get it. It's, it's almost like, you know, um, at, at that time, it felt like either we were starting a bank in 2008 during the financial crisis, or we we're big into Ukrainian businesses. And we had this great business idea in the Ukraine right now today, you know, the tanks staring down with the Russian tanks. And we just decided, you know what, we believe in this so much. We're still going to go forward with it anyway. Very true. Very true. I guess we we're kind of crazy to do it back then. <laughs> if you really think about it, it was a little crazy. I, I was super surprised you guys did it right during when like the NASDAQ crashed. I, uh, for some reason, I thought it was prior. You guys probably got funding and then took that into, which would still be impressive that you made it through that time period. Um, no, we, 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 it was interesting though, because when we started, we probably had like know, a good handful of competitors that were well funded. Um, I can probably like US, I think it was US law, 
Do you remember some of these, Brian? Yeah, there were a couple other ones. I remember we went and visited them um, and said, hey, maybe we can work together. But reality, of course, we were just trying to figure out what they're all about. And there are other competitors that were that were there doing doing similar stuff, like in terms of corporate formation too. Some of them have been around since you know, supposedly one of them since 1899. But you know, I think just by being new and having a different perspective, we're just able to be scrappier. And we were able to figure a few things out that that clients responded to. You know, again, this is. You have to remember that this is before A-B testing was around. There, there was no such thing. You know, there was so much of this stuff we either hand built. I mean, we built an auto bidder for essentially Google AdWords. And at that time, it was a purely simple thing, which is if you outbid somebody else, you could, uh, you know, get to the number one position. And Eddie Hartman built this system that was so good and fast that it, it be, nobody could outbid us because we just had a better system than them. Very true. And I remember that. And this is what we would do because we would outbid someone and then they would like try to outbid us, right? So they would bid higher. And then we would automatically outbid them until finally we pushed them to the point where we didn't want to pay that anymore. So then we would drop all the way lower leaving them hanging all night, paying like, you know, way too much per click. Remember that? We yeah. called that, that system the annihilator. <laughs> we would annihilate, we would annihilate our competitors. It was, it was pretty fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We used to do a shot um, every single time, a shot of whatever, whiskey, tequila, vodka, whatever we had. Anytime that some other competitor in our space went out of business, I remember that too. That was fun. We would, <laughs> we would, we would, we would enjoy those triumphs of yeah. the downfall of our competitors. <laughs> That's so harsh today. You know, I know. In today's world, in, in today's world Brian, I, I think we might be canceled by saying that. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> our competitors failed. No, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, that's the truth though. It is the truth. It's like we, we were in business and we competed to we competed yeah. to win. Right? As simple as that. We compete to win. Yeah. yeah. I just want to say, like, whoa, you guys are I mean, we kind of do the same thing. We had this thing with uh it was like called Sapphire, right? Like a bottle. We would take a shot out of it every time we signed like a major deal. And then one day I looked at Anish and I'm like, all the liquor's gone. We wrote on everything. <laughs> and that's something I gave to Anish as a gift like a couple of years or like a year ago. But, you know, our foundation started in downtown L.A. too. And it was just like two people kind of similar to you guys with what you guys did. I feel we're slowly doing it um, as we evolve in our own paths. Great. That's awesome. So just to wrap things up, you know, Brian Lee, like, thank you so much for always, you know, taking care of me. I feel every time I come see you, it's a surprise. Like in, in December, I came and I told Anish like, Hey, I'm just meeting with Brian at his place. And I told him how you took me out and then he took me to the event. So I'm like super grateful that you really do look out for me and the advice you've given has helped tremendously. I, I definitely tell Anish like at the end of our call, uh, when we hang out, I call Anish right away. I'm like, Whoa, this is what Brian's like taught me. So I just want to, again, very grateful. And other Brian, uh, I hope to see you in person at some point as we, you know, progress. And Anish, if you have any final words, yeah, no, uh, overall, 
awesome story. I'm just so glad we got to like dive deeper into it. Just showing the grit of kind of just being super resourceful. I think we live in a world where everyone thinks they need to, you know, you need things, you know, um, you need to be funded or, you know, get money quickly. Uh, but it's cool that you guys showed the, um, the key art of resourcefulness. So I thought that was pretty cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. It was fun to be here. Uh, thank you for having us as guests. Brian, it was good to see you uh, yesterday in person and hope to see you soon too. Absolutely. We'll see you soon in person, Thomas. Nish, thank you. Yep. It was great.